0: To shift gears, we're in this last Sunday of Control Alt Delete. Uh, I named this because this is not something, again, this is not something meant to just help you crush your goals for 2024 or be the best you you can in 2024 or the best year ever. It's none of that. Uh, It's so that at the end of this year, you can be more like Jesus than you are today. That's really my point and purpose in doing this, is so that you can understand that the Christian life is meant to be transformative. It's something that, as we talked about during communion, it's something that affects this life and the next. But there's a high level of expectation that it will affect this life, that you're going to be a different person. And we're going to talk about some things today, that, as we talk about deleting some things. There might be those things that you do need to remove from your life because they're getting in the way of your faith. They're, they're not Christ-like at all. They're just old habits that you've been doing. They're old sins that you've been doing, uh, and they just continue to wreck you. Or maybe they keep wrecking relationship. They keep wrecking your head. Because if you were to boil it down, people wonder, what's Christianity all about? Like, what is it? What is it? If I could boil it down and try to make it as, succ- as succinct as possible in three things, I would say, first and foremost, God wants relationship with you. Right? I mean, that's this. That's what this is about. It's what creation is about. God wants relationship with you. However, he expects that and wants that relationship to be transformative over your lifetime. Right? That's the Christian walk. That's being a Christian is being transformed into Jesus. And then the third thing I would say that he is most concerned about is that you then share that relationship with other people. You know, the, that, it's a very outward-facing thing, this faith that we have. It's supposed to affect your life but also the lives of the people around you. And so, again, being in a relationship with him, letting that relationship transform you, and then sharing that relationship. I mean, that's really what it boils down to. But that's, it's easy, but it's not easy to do. Right, That's really hard to do, as a matter of fact. So I do want to be clear that I named this control-delete because I wanted it to be something catchy that you could remember, something that would stick, so that when you need a reset, much like you do on a computer and you hit control-delete, to either shut your computer down or to restart a program or whatever, when you need that in your own life, I wanted you to have something that you could cling to and say, okay, I remember the beginning of this year um, talking about this. I need a reset in my soul. I need a reset in my relationship with God. How do I do that? Well, control-delete. Right, that's what I'm hoping can stick with us. So, in that, <clears throat> that means control your mindset. We did that two, three weeks ago. Two weeks ago, sorry. Two weeks ago, we did control your mindset. It's got to start with how you think. And then, Pastor Tim last week did a great job uh, via video since we couldn't have church. He talked about altering your habits, altering your actions, altering the things that you're actually doing because you've actually aligned your mind with God. So, it's like, well, uh, what does that mean? Well, that's what Pastor Tim talked about last week. So, if you didn't see that, Check it out on YouTube, uh, let's do it on the podcast, because he really gives some good guidance on how to actually be transformed, right? So how do you actually do all this? That's what that was about. And then today, again, it's it's kind of the opposite of last Sunday, it's what do we need to take out? Rather than what do we need to add in, what do we need to take out? And that means deleting the unnecessary. So as far as our mind went, just to recap again, it's been a couple weeks, maybe you weren't here. For me, when I thought about controlling your mindset, it's really about controlling your focus. You're going to tend to look a lot like the thing that you focus on, right? So if you're focusing on something from the past, right? Maybe somebody did you some did you wrong in the past. That's going to affect everything in your future, and in your present, right? It's going to focus on how you think about God. Uh, if you focus uh, this much on Him and like this much on like, say materialism, right? on being greedy, on what you need to have, and more importantly, what you need other people to see that you have, right? If you're focusing on what the world gives us, because it's not always a healthy system, if you're always focusing on that, that's where you're going to go, because that's just what we do. So controlling my mindset, I just learned in my own life that it's really about controlling my focus. What do I have my eyes on? And that was our, our verse. So from Romans 12, this is kind of our anchor verse for this series. And the Apostle Paul says to these Christians in Rome, again, these new Christians, he says, do not be conformed To this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may discern what is a good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. So, stop focusing so much on what's around us and focus more on the Lord, because that is going to be the transformation that you want. Because what I've learned talking with friends and just doing like personal development stuff is that you're never static, right? You're never static. You're always going to be going slightly up or slightly down. That's a book Rico gave me a while ago, a book by by Jeff Olson. Uh, And it's just about the power of little things, right? And I've seen that in my own life. A lot of us just want to think that we're kind of floating along, but you're not. You're going in one direction. You're either going further from your goals or you're going closer to them, right? And so in my own faith, how I've applied that is this right here. Like I'm being transformed one way or the other. I'm either becoming more like Jesus or I'm just becoming more like me or what I'm watching or the world or whatever, right? And so I have to be uh, really aware of these little things that I'm doing consistently all the time. And again, that's what Pastor Tim talked about last week, about understanding the importance of this right here. Because Tim specifically, again, alter your actions is what he talked about. And he, in his sermon last Sunday, he brought up um, Tom Brady. I don't know if you've heard of him or not, but he's a quarterback. Uh was pretty good. There's a lot of controversy right now. Were the Patriots good between him, or were they good because of the coach? Ooh. I don't know. I think Tom Brady. But... Tom Brady had this system called TB12, right? And it was a really intense way of focusing his life around the goals that he had. So it was what he ate and it was what he did. And he was crazy about it, right? He was crazy about it. And Pastor Tim said, what if we were like that about our faith? Like, what if we were that intense and that focused about the things that we did and the things that we put into ourselves, just like Tom Brady was as an athlete? What if we were that focused as Christians? And what would that look like to do that? Like, how would I actually align my life with Jesus? And so he gave us uh, several things to think about. And one that I thought was really good, I wanted to repeat today. He said, disciplines, like spiritual disciplines, help us to know God. And knowing God transforms us. I thought that was a great line. Spiritual disciplines help us to know God. And knowing God transforms us. So then, what did he offer up? What were some of the things he offered up last Sunday? Because I'm going to be building off of this a little bit today. So some of the things he offered on the next screen. So he said reading scripture first and foremost, uh, and then prayer and fasting were two things, like these are three spiritual disciplines that draw us closer. So let's start with read scripture. Last week he said you should read if you're not, if you're early in your journey with Jesus or the Bible, start in the Gospel of John. We point people to John all the time because it, it lays out really what Jesus said about himself and it shows his mission and it just says so much about him. And then you could go to the book of Acts. The book of Acts is the birth of the early church. That's where Christianity starts in the book of Acts. Then from there, you could go right next to the book of Romans. And the book of Romans is just what do we believe as Christians, right? So that's, like, if you hit those three, even if you've known Jesus for a long time, it's good to spend a good amount of time in those books. After that, though, where do you go? You could go to the pastoral letters. You could go to the prison letters. You can go to the other letters in the New Testament because, remember, the Bible was written at a time when Christianity was brand new and people didn't know much. So he's teaching them, all these authors are teaching these people what it means to follow Jesus, like actually follow Jesus. If, you're not, if you've not been in the journey with Jesus long or in Scripture very long, I would maybe wait on Revelation a little bit because um, that can be very confusing. And you need to understand whether you've known Jesus a long time, you've been in the Word a long time or not, you need to understand it's not some secret key that's going to unlock the future. You know, If you do that, if you go to Revelation because you think you're going to find secret knowledge about the future, you're going to go crazy, and you're going to be fearful. Because the people that I see that are most obsessed with Revelation are really fearful because they're, they're trying to figure out constantly, when is the end coming? And they see it in everything, right? right? Your, your mind is affected by what you focus on. And if you're constantly focused on, when is the end and what are the details? Jesus said you're not going to know, so stop worrying. Right? He just said, I got this and I'm just cluing you in a little bit, right? And so, again, just be careful with the book of Revelation. But then, what, like, what about that? What if you grow and you start to, you know, get into Scripture a little bit more? I'd say Genesis. We're going to be in there all year, but Genesis is a great book. Exodus is a great book to read because those are the stories that are so foundational to the entire Bible, Old and New Testament. If you're, again, if you're new in the journey, might wait on Leviticus, Deuteronomy. Uh, there's a lot of law, and, you know, without context, it can be pretty confusing, but then if you do, jump into the book of Joshua, it, again, it's a historical book, but it's kind of like watching Savior Private Ryan, so it's a little intense because uh, there's a lot of holy war, and it's like, oh, man, what's going on? And so you need some context there as well. But then you get into, like, the rest of the Old Testament, and it's really this, this story, uh, especially Judges, right? You, you've got, like, well, Judges is an intense book, right? And Joshua being in there and leading the nation of Israel. I should have Joshua, not Judges, but, or Judges, not Joshua, but, If you look at his story and what he was doing, and then as the Old Testament kind of unfolds, it really is the human story. Because the Old Testament is like, we want to do it our way, God. And God being like, no, don't. And then people being like, yeah, we do. We don't really care what you say. And he's like, but you're my people. You should listen to me. And they're like, yeah, not so much. And man, that's the human condition. So you're going to see a lot of that in there, them choosing a king instead of God and Saul. You're going to see all these things in the Psalms. It's very poetic. Remember, the Psalms are poems, right? So you have to keep that in mind. But you're, as you grow in your journey, you begin to re- read more of this, and you begin to see more of the human story, more of the human condition. And you're like, yeah, man, that is how we are. So you're going to understand yourself. You're going to understand God more. So altering your actions. And then talking with God. Just making a habit every day of talking with God, right? Not just asking for things, but trying to get him to know know him through prayer. So you can do that while you're reading scripture. Lord, help me to know you better. Got I. I don't understand what's going on right now. Could you help me to know you better? Could you give me some guidance? Could you give me wisdom? Could you give me help, Lord? Could you give them help, Lord? Could you do this? You know, like, yes, all those things, but in the midst of that, Lord, help me to know you better. And then fasting, which we did last week together, which is awesome. That's just denying yourself in some way or another to give yourself more time to focus on God. And then he talked about some other things. Gathering with Christians, being in community. Right? Having Christian friends, going to church, having small groups, like whatever. Like having good, solid Christians in your life that you can build that community with and grow with. And then musical worship. That's a good one. Do you ever let any kind of worship music uh, come into your life? Are you listening to it maybe on the road to work? Are you listening to it on a walk or a bike ride? Do you let that kind of stuff, that kind of music, into at all? Because music does something to us. I don't know. It just does. Right? It's just music. There's something about music... And finding some music that's really pointing you to Jesus is another one of those your actions kind of things. So that's some of the stuff that he talked about that I thought was really, really helpful. And then the last step, he said, was then take all of that, because that nurtures your faith, grows your faith, and then point it outward. Serve other people, tell them about Jesus. So that's where Tim landed. So taking all of that growth and then making sure it goes back out into the world. Like that's, again, that's the call of following Jesus. So I thought that was great. So essentially, What can you do? What can you add in in ways to embrace that transformation that God is calling you to? Now, this Sunday is different from that. So we had controlling your mindset starting there. You have then altering your actions. And then today, deleting the unnecessary is kind of the opposite, like I said, of last week. It's what do you need to take out? This one is harder. I think genuinely this one is harder because it forces us to recognize the things that are wrecking the transformational process that we are called to. These are the things that we make excuses for or we cling tightly to because it's just the way we've always been, the way we've always thought, or we're hurt, you don't understand what I've been through. I mean, there's a million things that we can say that keep us kind of stuck in these places and holding on to these things. And so that's really kind of what I want to get at. But to make it personal, all these things, of course, are meant to be personal, I want to start with a question for you. If you were to look at your life right now and ask yourself, what you need to delete, what you need to delete in order to embrace that transformation that God is calling you to, what would it be? Now, Again, I don't know your inner thoughts. I don't know your inner life. I don't know, you know, your secret life when nobody's there. Like, but you do. Sometimes we don't want to recognize that, but what are those things that you're like, okay, you know, I do need to, I need, to need to put that down. I need to delete that from my life it could be a, it could be something more internal like thoughts or attitudes um, it could be habits things that you're actually doing it could be financial it could be sexual it could be just the way that you talk to people it could be fear it could be i mean think about it for you i don't i don't know what it is but if god really is calling us to this transformative process called sanctification then what is it that you need to put down that's getting in the way of that like, that's, that's where this all lands. That's where this series ends today. So again, that personal question, how can you take hold of the transformation God offers you? And then in our context today is deleting the unnecessary. So I want to start with an illustration. So this mug right here, this awesome Quay Church mug, you can get it for $5 at the side table after church. <laughs> so this mug, not very heavy all by itself, right? And if I put some coffee in this thing, again, not very heavy. If I held it for a minute I stood up here and I just talked while I preached and held it for a minute, not gonna be much of a bother. But if I stood up here for an hour and I held this and didn't move, my arm's gonna start to hurt, right? Eventually, holding it out like this is gonna cause it to hurt. But it's not much weight. It's like a pound. And the weight hasn't changed and yet it continues to hurt. And if I stood up here all day, if I did 24 hours and I stood here like this, this is not much weight. But if I stood here for a whole day my arm would probably be paralyzed with pain. I probably wouldn't be able to straighten my arm out without some help, you know, because my muscles would just cramp up into that position. So here's what I want you to think about. The things that we tend to make excuses for, the things that we need to put down, things like shame, things like the way we think about ourselves and others, things like sin, things that we coddled for maybe a long time, things from our past, whatever that is, the longer you hang on to those things, the more damage they're going to do to you and your relationship with Jesus. And I'm not just pointing a finger at you. I'm looking at my own life, and I know the things that I've held on to, even to this day, that I have a very difficult time putting down, they don't seem like that big of an issue, but I just know. The longer I hold on to them, the more damage they're going to do to me and my relationship with Jesus. And so at the end of the day, to the point of our sermon, you may need to put those things down. I want you to just think of that today in context. I don't know what is in your cup. I don't. Only you do. Only God does. And maybe people closest to you. Sometimes we're not willing to recognize what's going on in our own lives. But people that love us do. But what is in that that we need to finally delete, we need to put down and say, all right, got to stop carrying this and just being like, well, it's not that big of a problem. It's not that big of an issue. Because I bet the people in your life probably see it as an issue. Right? I know that our relationship with God, that transformative process, that's going to hurt because of that. So I just want you to think about those things. Because here's how in the New Testament, we'll jump into the book of Hebrews, uh, Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. He talks specifically about this, the writer does. Now, if you're not familiar with this book, this writer who is unknown is writing to Christians that are Jewish. So they used to be very, very much Jewish, the whole sacrificial system, all that stuff, right? The priesthood, everything. They used to 100% be in on that, and so now this guy, we assume, it may maybe Apollos, and some people think Paul, but whoever, wrote this book and said, look, Everything that that was Judaism was fulfilled and completed in Jesus Christ. So stop going back to it. So that's the theme of the book of Hebrews. Stop going back to that. It's not going to give you the answers you're looking for. That's what Jesus did. So, Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2 says, Let us lay aside every hindrance, so there's a couple things, every hindrance and the sin that so easily ensnares us. So let us lay aside, let us delete, let us literally put down the mug of those things that could either be a hindrance or just outright sin that so easily us. Again, it could be binge-watching the news and social media. It could be wasting time doing something else. It could just be your work schedule. It could be things that are just getting in the way. Or it could be just straight-up sin that are easily ensnaring us. And, man, this is the human story. There's so many things that just latch onto us. And then he says... Let us run with endurance the race that lies before us. Let's put that stuff down so we can run this race, this life, this transformative life that we're supposed to live. Keeping our eyes on Jesus, much like our anchor verse for this series, focusing on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. Now, to clarify, this is hard. This is not easy. Most people, myself included, tend toward selfishness. And we want what we want, And we're not always concerned about those that are around us. And we're especially not concerned with what God has said should be going on in our lives. If I'm honest, as your pastor, there are times when I know the right thing to do. And what do I do? Romans chapter 7, baby. That's what I do. I know what to do. I know what's right. And yet I don't do it. Romans chapter 7. Go check it out. If you ever struggle with wanting to do the right thing and not doing it, the Apostle Paul, of all people, talks about that struggle in Romans chapter 7. But at the end of the day, am I becoming more like Jesus? Am I winning more than I'm losing? Like, that's, that's how I'm looking at it. I want to be a little bit more like Jesus every single day, even when I trip and fall. So that's how he puts it. But deleting the unnecessary. So what I'd like to do now is I want you, to, I want you just to see, by just a short example, what it looks like to actually delete the unnecessary. And know what you're supposed to delete. Because reading scripture, like Pastor Tim talked about last week, knowing God really will make a difference in that process. It really will transform you. So, if you're reading the New Testament, especially with an open mind and an open heart, you're going to see things in there that speak specifically to you. You're going to be like, man, the Lord is pointing this out in my life, and I need to let that go, or I need to change that. Or, man, man look how Ananias and Sapphira were, man. They were trying. So, if you don't know the story of Ananias and Sapphira in Acts chapter 5, They on the sly, they want to look really generous. There's a lot of generosity happening in early Christianity. And so they're like, oh, we'll sell this land. And then we'll come to the apostles and be like, oh, look, here's all the proceeds from the land that we just sold. And really, it was only part of the proceeds. But they wanted to look very generous. They wanted to look awesome, even though they were keeping, selfishly, money behind. And he was like, look, you're not lying to me. You're lying to the Holy Spirit. You could have kept all that money if you wanted. It was your land, your money. You could have done whatever you wanted. But you came in here looking all self-righteous? Are you kidding me? And if you want to find out what happened to him, Acts chapter 5, all right? Read scripture, all right? First one, by way of example, I just want to give you five examples of things that if you're reading through scripture honestly with an open heart, and these may land with you, all five, hopefully not, but they may. None of them may land with you, I don't know, right? But hopefully it just gets the gears turning a little bit to say, okay, if you read scripture, God will speak specifically to you about things maybe that are not good for that relationship that are maybe destructive for that transformative relationship. Because he does it to me all the time, right? He does it to me all the time. So first one. Um, these. Oh, by the way, these are things that, uh, two places. I hear them in people's lives that I care about in our church, and then I see them in my own life. So some of these things are just me personally speaking, some of them are just what I see happen in people's lives I love, and then just in the world around me. So the first one we might need to delete is unhealthy relationships. I just hear this a lot, right, about just toxic relationships is kind of how we always say it now, but deleting unhealthy relationships. What do I mean by that? Well, I mean relationships in your life that are destructive to your walk with Jesus. Now, if something is destructive to your walk with Jesus, it's going to be personally destructive for you. Because that means that they are either pulling you away from your faith, or they're making it difficult, if not impossible, for you to actually grow in your faith. So I'm not just talking about difficult people. I'm not just talking about people that you don't see eye to eye with. I'm talking about somebody that is specifically toxic in a way that they are destroying who you are, and then re- destroying your faith. Like Paul actually talks about this to the young pastor Timothy, and he's trying to get him to understand. Again, remember, Bible's written when the New Testament, in the New Testament, when Christianity is very young. They you have a lot of young, new pastors trying to figure this thing out, and there's letters being written to them to help them do this. So here's what Paul says to Timothy in Second Timothy three: How do we know what to look for, and then what do we do? He says this. But know this: hard times will come in the last days. For people will be, and this is 2,000 years ago, people will be lovers of self, they'll be lovers of money, boastful, proud, demeaning, and this is interesting, disobedient to parents. It's like all these other, wow, and then disobedient to parents. So man, we need to check our hearts on that one. Ungrateful, unholy, verse 3, unloving, irreconcilable, that's a big one today, slanderers without self-control, brutal, without love for what is good. In verse 4, they're traitors, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. And then verse 5 is painful for me. Holding to the form of godliness, but denying its power. What should we do with these kinds of people? Avoid these people. Again, this is difficult. Having boundaries with people can be really hard. It can be really hard, especially if they're close to you, especially if they're related to you, particularly if you're married to them. So if you are in one of those types of situations and you're trying to think, all right, this like this person is absolutely like, toxic for me and I am in no way growing in my relationship and they're actually in ways actively working against me, if you're in a really tight relationship that you can't avoid, then that's when you need to reach out. You need to start talking to some people. It might be fellow Christians. It might be more mature Christians. It might be a professional counselor. You might need that level of help to say, man, I've got something in my life that's really wrecking and destroying me, and I have, no, I have no idea what to do. It's my boss. It's my brother. It's my spouse. It's my kids. It's my parents, right? It's like this is not easy to live these things out all the time, so this is why we need to reach out, find some counsel, find some help if we need to. But it's not bad. What I do want to say is it's not bad to have boundaries. I just I talk to a lot of people, a lot of Christians that think if I'm supposed to love my neighbors, I can't have boundaries with them. How do I do that, Pastor Kyle? It's like, well, you have boundaries. You love them with boundaries. So you don't let them into your personal life. You don't let them into those areas that's not safe for them to be in, right? You don't trust them with certain information. All that kind of thing. And then again, reaching out to other people a little further in the journey is really, really helpful for that one. So that's number one. It might be a relationship that you need to put down. You need to set the mug down. Number two. Again, these are just... Not quite random, but they're just kind of all over the place. Number two is greed and materialism. This, I brought this up, this is such a big thing. I brought it up at Christmas time. It's not very Christmasy to talk about, but it's important to talk about because we are a nation of just buying everything, right? We are defined by the things that we have, and not only that, but like I said earlier, making sure other people see the things that we have. That drives a lot of purchases. It drives a lot of the things that we drive, Right? It's all this kind of stuff that this is what we're given in the culture that we live in, in America, but will we be different? Will we set that love down? Will we delete that from our lives? And this is something in the past I've struggled with. And It's like this is something that's been very personal to me. And so this is what the author of Hebrews says. Again, to go back to the author of Hebrews, he says very simply, keep your life free from the love of money. Money's not a bad thing, but just keep your life free from loving it, being obsessed with it. Be satisfied with what you have, for God himself has said, I will never leave you or abandon you. Again, not easy to do, but, and just to clarify too, I don't, this doesn't mean that if you're driving a 40-year-old jalopy for a car that Pastor Kyle said you need to suffer and be satisfied with what you have. I'm not saying that you can't have nice things or new things or better things, and that's not what God's saying. He's just saying don't let greed and materialism and the need for these things define you and drive everything you do because that's an idol because essentially you're just worshiping stuff and you need that whether it's money or status that goes with it or the stuff that you can buy with it and saying keep your life free from that so again that may be something you need to set down that may be something that's still in your mug that you need to delete from your life all right so relationships maybe maybe greed, materialism number three a big one i just see a lot a lot of this today is fear A lot of people are very fearful about the economy, they're fearful about wars that are going on and the rumors of other wars that might happen. Uh, There's a lot of things happening in towns and cities across the nation. And I think a lot of it is driven, unfortunately, by the news and social media. And if you're watching a lot of those, you're going to be terrified because what sells? What's clickbait? What's shockbait? Well, it's all the worst of everything that's happening all over the planet. I get updates constantly, little notifications on my phone. I have, like, two different news apps, and it drives me insane how often it'll be like, oh, a train wreck in India killed 12 people. Why do I need to know that? Like, what am I going to do with that? Why? And it's like, oh, the uh, stabbing in Wisconsin at a grocery store. I'm like, okay. It's like, that's, and that's all I get. All day long. And if I open up the app, all the things, I swear, all the time are just, it's like they literally scour the globe for whatever they can find that's bad, and then that's what they push. So if we're constantly, you know, if we're not limiting our time in the news and we're not being intentional about what we're trying to hear, or on social media constantly, it's like, this I see this growing and growing all the time. And even with Christians, because with Christian conspiracies, Again, people that get really obsessed about the end times, they're always looking at revelation. They're always looking at prophecy, trying to figure out, oh, this is it. I know it. You know, President Biden, he's here. He's going to end. He's the Antichrist. I'm like, oh, easy. Easy, easy. The Antichrist is probably not going to come from America, so let's just burr on that, all right, all together. So, but the... the I... I And I want to say that lightly. I don't want to, like, I'm not trying to poke at anybody, but the people that get really, really into this stuff get really easily sucked into end times conspiracies, and they get into the numerologies, and they're, like, people that are really fearful. They're not doing what it's intended to do. Scripture, revelation, prophecy was written so that we would know when things get crazy that God is still in control. God has a plan, and he's going to bring that plan to fruition. That's what it's about. So if you have people stoking fear in you about end times prophecies, you know that's not from the Lord. It says specifically, multiple times, that these prophecies are meant to be an encouragement, not fear-inducing. So just keep that in mind. That might be, again, something we need to put down, something we need to delete. This one, a little more awkward, sexual sin, might be something we need to delete. We don't like to talk a lot about it, but it's something that we definitely need to put Down, Sexual sin is something that is, uh, I think, especially devious because it flies under the surface until it doesn't, right? In our culture, we're big into it, too. Um, The uh, Sound of Freedom movie. I remember watching the documentary about him, and they asked him in the car. They're riding, and he's on his way to do what he does, you know, and like set kids free and it's cool, right? What he does is amazing. And they said, well, how is it that people get started down this path? Like, here you are, you're going in and you're busting up these human trafficking rings. Why do people buy other humans? Like, why is sexual slavery even a thing? Where does it start, in your opinion? He says, oh, without exception, it starts with pornography. He said, every one of these guys that we bust, every one of these rings we break up. It's always pornography that it started with. And it got worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. It's like a drug, right? But we don't want to talk about it because, oh, man, it's awkward. Especially don't talk about it in church. My goodness, we don't talk about those things in church. But it's killing us. It's eating us up from the inside out. So maybe sexual sin is something that we need to delete from our lives. We need to start taking it more seriously, right? We define ourselves by our sexual preferences, right? It's like, really, that's, that's how we're going to define ourselves. It's like, all right. So here's what Paul says, again, to a, a new church, a young church, a messy church in Corinth. He says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, flee from sexual immorality. Every other sin, and I've always been fascinated by this, every other sin a person commits is outside the body. But the person who is sexually immoral sins against his own body. Don't you know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God? And I love this. You are not your own, for you were bought at a price So glorify God with your body. It's a different way of thinking. It's a different way of living. And again, this, I remember Bayer. I'll use one of his lines. He said, I don't know, a month ago, just like out of nowhere, we were having this conversation. He says, You know, you don't regret something until you regret it. It's like, That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? I was like, C.S. Hey, C- C. Lewis is my son. You know, like, <laughs> what's going on here? So, but it's just like that it, you don't, and especially with this one, you don't regret it until you do. You know, uh, not that we need to live in shame. Again, that maybe I didn't include it in this, in this series, but shame might be something you need to leave as well. You need to let that go and delete. This is just a, a reminder of how important this stuff is to us and the damage that it can do. And so for us to live in this way and be free even of the decisions that we've made and mistakes that we've made and say, all right, Lord, I know where I can start now. Just to be clear, I know where I can start now. So if any of these things are things you need to delete, don't live in shame because of them. Just know that, okay, I can move forward now. I'm not defined by that. That's something we may need to delete as well. All right? And then lastly, so we had relationships, we had greed, we had fear, sexual sin, and now last one we've got is delete, fighting, arguing, and pointless, endless debating. So in November this year, there's going to be something that happens that's going to unite our country. All right? It's going to be healthy. There's going to be hand-holding in the streets. It's going to be amazing. Right? No, probably not. There's going to be lots of this coming in the year ahead. And there's lots of this anyway. But for a follower of Jesus, this is something we absolutely have to put down. There have been books and books and books written about what happened to Christianity in America during COVID. So many people walked away from Christianity or from the church at least. Maybe not Christianity, but from the church certainly because of this one right here. This is right at the top of the list all the political fighting, all of that kind of stuff, all of the just the blatant hypocrisy and the vitriol that Christians were putting out online, man, people were walking away from church in droves. So stop it. Stop it. If you are doing this, that does not represent Jesus at all. You're not just saying. You're not just putting the truth out there, right? You need to check your heart first if you do want to say something because it very well may be that you're just being a jerk and you're wrecking somebody's faith because of it. That's a huge bar. Being a Christian is not an easy thing. It's a very selfless thing. So if this is you in the coming year, man, put that down. Delete that from your life, right? So here's what Paul says it's going to Timothy. Again, Kennedy, hey, young pastor, let me, let me tell you the truth. He says in First Timothy 4, have nothing to do with pointless and silliness, and I put in parentheses, and the endless argument that goes with them. Rather, train yourself in godliness, for the training of the body has limited benefit. Why? Well, it's only for this life, right? It's only for this life. But godliness is beneficial in every way, next verse, because it holds promise for this life and also for the life to come. Keep your eyes on the right things. Don't get caught up in all the fighting and all the conspiracies and all the issues. Is there aliens? I don't know. Let's not get too worried, right? Let's not fight about it. Let's just keep our eyes on things that really matter, okay? So I've just given a few examples today because I just want you to understand, if you're reading Scripture, God's going to bring things to the surface. I don't know what your thing is, but I just I hope by just wave a few examples today that you'll see that God will bring those things. If you're like, Lord, how do I transform into who you want me to be? What do I need to let go of? What do I need to set down? What do I need to delete? God will show you. Man, if you read with an open mind and pray in the power of the Spirit, the Spirit of God will show you. So let's go back to our, let's circle back to our anchor verse in Romans 12 to end this series. Do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that, there's a purpose, so that you may discern what is the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. Again, personal question. How can you take hold of the transformation that God offers, that He calls you to? If you are a Christian, how can you live a life, like Paul says in Ephesians 4, live a life worthy of the calling that you have received? How can you do that? That's a personal question for you to look at your life right now and just consider, Lord, what am I holding on to? What is in my cup that I need to put down, I need to let go of? It's time to walk away. Again, it could be shame, it could be sin, it could be, I don't know. I don't know what's in your cup, but God calls you to something greater. He calls you to this transformative process. It's not easy. Being a Christian is not easy, but it is best. It is best. So, how do we do that? Again, control your mindset, alter your actions, delete the unnecessary. Control, alt, delete. Hopefully at the end of this year, you'll be able to look back and realize that you did hit the reset button. You did restart your relationship with the Lord, and you're closer at the end of this year than you were at the beginning of this year. It's not going to be perfect. Sometimes it feels a little like a roller coaster, right? Right? Sometimes you might feel like you're falling off a roller coaster. But, hey, we want to move forward. We want to move forward. We want to move forward. Amen? All right, so let me pray. Let me pray. Lord, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you so much for the hope that, God, we can continue to move forward. We continue to move up. Um, even still, Lord, with uh, so many things that need to be lived out in life. There's so many difficulties. There's so many things just weighing in on us, Lord. I pray that your spirit would show us, Lord, how we can take hold of that transformation. Take hold of that transformation, God, that only you offer. And I pray that in your name, Jesus. Amen. Oh, and one more thing before you go. I forgot to do this earlier. One more thing. On the relationships thing, because this is a lot of people. I did this with my kids once, because they were just having some issues with people. I told them, I said, get out a piece of paper like this big, and write on that piece of paper the people that you're willing to let speak into your life. The people that you're willing to let influence the way that you think about life, the way that you think about yourself. And if they're not on that list, guess what they don't have the authority to do? Speak into your life. Affect how you think about yourself, about your relationship with God. If they're not on this list, you don't give them permission to wreck your mind, to wreck your life, to wreck your emotions. Like, no, you just let that go because they're not on your square. And you make it this small, inch by an inch. So you gotta be pretty specific, don't you? And make sure Pastor Kyle's on it, okay? (laughs) All right, I'll see y'all later. Once again, thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's message, we'd love for you to subscribe to the podcast so you get notified of new content every week. Remember, we want to help you worship, connect, and serve. So if you live in the central Massachusetts area, we would love for you to engage with us on Sundays. For more information, service times, and details about our children's and youth ministries, visit us at quaybogchurch.org. Have a blessed week.